You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Thursday morning. We are uh, adjusting the schedule a little bit. We're we're still trying to figure out ourselves how we're going to play this whole offseason. So we will be sure to keep you guys posted on that. Uh, At some point, we're going to go down to once a week, but uh, haven't exactly decided when that will be because we, well, still have a bunch planned for you. Um, season recap, superlative kind of stuff, revisiting preseason predictions. Well, we'll, we have plenty of stuff coming down the the hopper. So we'll make sure to update you guys on the schedule when we know what we're doing. But uh, Scott, it is Thursday morning. We're back to work here uh, after the holidays. How are we doing? Doing good. There's not as much football on, which is always a sad time, but the hoops fans um we are hoops fans we're just not hoops podcasters i didn't i missed the game against nebraska but they did pull off another win so the train rolls into ann arbor this saturday uh for a game that has completely flip-flopped from preseason expectations and michigan basketball if you're not paying attention has looked pretty rough the last few weeks so interesting one this saturday um if you want to break down, head over to Spartan Hoops. But exciting nonetheless. Like I said, I'm a Hoops fan. We're in Hoops season now, for better or for worse. Um, but before that, we got this national championship game on Monday, which I think we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah, it looks like uh, Max Christie's starting to find his shot, which is exciting. Uh, you know, if he's kind of the leader of this team, I think there's an interesting ceiling there. But um, yeah, the, the, the college football season is down to one more game, which does suck. Um, there is kind of the bittersweetness of it. Like there has been so much college football that at a certain point you kind of need a break, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not really ready for that yet. <laughs> I would like a couple more weeks of it, but yeah, we're, we're down to the final game. We'll kind of talk about the national championship from a Michigan state perspective. And just kind of figure out how far away we are from it, uh, if it's even possible. Because we mentioned when Mel Tucker signed that contract extension that Michigan State is here to play with the big boys. And on Monday night, we're going to see, well, a rematch for the second time, but we're going to see the big boys. We're going to see what a, a national championship team looks like. And Michigan saw that, you know, up close and personal 
last weekend down in Miami against Georgia. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We, we got a lot of stuff to get to here. We got some Michigan state news to get to here with Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, the two star receivers of this team, both making their uh, decisions for the future. So we'll get to all of that uh, before we do a special word from our friends at DraftKings who are still pumping the hockey train. That's right. Uh, next week, we got a special wild card NFL promo for you. So stay tuned for that. But this week, uh, if you are an NHL fan, and I just canceled out of my DraftKings read, so give me one second to pull this bad boy back up. But if you're an NHL fan, we got a special news for you. Uh, the Red Wings are, are in full force here. There's some exciting talent on this team. And if you're watching, you can bet just $1 on any NHL team, uh, any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. Uh, if the DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest, giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Throw down $1 on any NHL game, win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So want to start there. The news coming out of the week. The, the decisions have come from our two star receivers from, uh, well, the last couple of years, really. Jalen Naylor deciding he's going pro. Jaden Reed deciding he's coming back. So Scott, we'll start there. Are you surprised, interested in uh, in which guy made which decision? Uh, we were talking about Reed potentially leaving, but it turns out it's Naylor. I was surprised more in a I hadn't really thought about it kind of way. Um, I, in my mind, Jaden Reed had clearly you know a more he put more on film this year, not to say Jalen Naylor didn't, but Jaden Reed played a lot more, was more of a focus, I think, in the offense as far as intentionally getting him the ball. Um, and I just think made more, made his name uh, more prominent this year. But Jalen Naylor was also injured for a good, almost half the season, right? So it, it caught me off guard only because I wasn't really considering the fact that Naylor had a decision once I saw the announcement kind of looked back at his tape looked back at the season he had and in, in previous seasons and really his whole resume for the NFL and you can see it right when you look at that you know he has the top end speed we were talking about this a little bit is he already kind of like a he is what he is kind of player so how much more would another season really put on tape that's not on tape already and he's got a couple injuries already on his on his track record um if the opportunities there to get to the league now where he feels like it is and you know he doesn't want to wait for that next injury to roll around god forbid it's worse than his previous one something happens he never gets his shot so there's a lot of factors here he's a nfl caliber contender i'm not going to say he's he's right up there with the best in the in the class um kevin i know you and some of our other buddies 
look into kind of draft potential draft stock, the NFL side of things a little bit more than I do. So when you look at Jalen Naylor, I mean, where do you see him projecting early, you know, first half of the draft, second half undrafted free agent? Yeah. So I, like you, I was pretty surprised that he decided to come out. Um, the, the reality is on one side, more and more receivers are getting taken every year. There were 36 wide receivers drafted last year. So if, if your goal is just to get drafted, you're, you're looking at being in the top 36 out of the guys that declare, of course, a lot of the top receivers in the country are uh, often underclassmen. So you're not even really needing to be a top 36 receiver in the NF or in the, in college football but one of the the top 36 in your draft class, which when you really think about Naylor and what he has accomplished in his time at Michigan State, the athletic profile that we know he has, I think he could find himself in that group. I mean, he's put out some unbelievable games. We saw him against Pittsburgh, made that one-handed catch down the middle of the field, ended up with six catches for over 100 yards that Rutgers game with over 200 yards and three touchdowns. He had over a hundred yards uh, in total. Let's see one, two, three, four, five times in his career. So, you know, he's not a flash in the pan kind of guy. And you know what I was looking at is I was going back and watching a lot of the games from earlier in this season, uh, Miami Rutgers Northwestern, like some of these games that are kind of out of sight, out of mind. Cause they feel like they were so long ago. And, you know, Jalen Naylor, I think it goes a little bit under the radar with him because of the box that I think the fan base has collectively put him in. He is more than just a downfield deep threat guy. He does have the ability to beat you underneath, to beat you over the middle, to, to catch a slant, to catch a, a quick out for a first down. Now, is that the bread and butter of his game? No, but I, I do think he has that ability. So with all that said, uh, I'm really interested to see how he tests because, uh, of course, we know how important that is in the NFL uh, in terms of their, your draft stock. But I think he could work his way into a fifth or sixth round pick. Do, do I think he's going to be a day one or day two guy? Probably not unless he goes out there and runs like a four, three, two and just blows everybody away. Uh, but with kind of how I expect him to run probably a low four, four, um, you know, pretty good vertical, pretty good broad jump. I think he's a really good athlete with his body of work on film. I would project him right now as somewhere between like a fifth to seventh round pick who has plenty of ability to stick around on an NFL roster and make plays if, if everything goes right for him, especially, you know, the situation is really important. So if, if he goes to the right place, he could be pretty dangerous, right? But the other guy, Jaden Reed, is not going to the NFL. The guy that we've actually spent a couple episodes uh, pondering about, he's coming back. And I, I think maybe we, I'm speaking for both of us here, maybe I shouldn't be, but I think we would agree that he's probably the better of the two players as far as guys that you want on your offense, guys, you can find a lot of different ways to get involved. He can beat you deep. He can beat you underneath. You can get him the ball in a, in a variety of ways. He's a special teams guy and he's coming back for another year. 
what do you think that does for this offense? What do you think that does for his team? Is he the best player, the best offensive player coming back for Michigan State next year? Absolutely. I think he was probably the best offensive player on this year's team, just in terms of him against his peers, other than Kenneth Walker. I was going to say, are we forgetting somebody? <laughs> it was weird in my brain. I like, I was like, well, there's Kenneth Walker, but other than that, it was like he was in a class of his own already. Um, he wasn't even up for consideration. Yeah. Kenneth Walker, obviously best offensive player this year, but um, Jaden Reed, best player coming back. And what it does for the offense, I think it just gives an enormous crutch to the entire team to know when all else fails, we've still got Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed in the, on the same offense, throwing the ball to each other. And uh, that does a lot for the team to know you have a tried and true established weapon in two guys uh, already coming into the season. We're obviously going to have to sort out the rest of the receiver room um, or at least one spot. I think Trey Mosley has shown he's, he's probably going to be on the outside again next year, but, um, but we'll see these days. But anyway, yeah, Jaden Reed, great weapon to have on the offense. Um, another year of comments about how long he's played with uh, Peyton Thorne on the broadcast, <laughs> but I think we'll take that uh, sacrifice. Yeah, just mute the broadcast. I don't know. Uh, I was looking through his stats. You know, if he puts together uh, a 1,000-yard season this year, which isn't out of the question, he did it this year, so why couldn't he do it again next year? He could find himself in the top five uh, all time in Michigan State receiving yards. If you just included his uh, 20, his freshman year at Western Michigan uh, in 2018, if you included that in his current stats, he would already be in the top five of Michigan State career receivers. Now, obviously, we can't count those yards because he didn't do it at Michigan State, but that just goes to show you. I mean, this guy has been super productive ever since he stepped foot on a college football field. And I put out a poll uh, on, on Twitter asking about like, what was his play of the year? Because it's really tough, man. You had the peach bowl touchdown that we just saw, which actually finished last in the voting. You had the Penn state touchdown uh, where he mossed the guy and fourth down deep in the end zone there. You had the Michigan fourth down catch. You had the Nebraska punt return touchdown. Like, he had so many moments this year that when you think about him coming back and another year of development, another year of film study, another year of, of perfecting his footwork and technique, this guy could do some really special things next year. And I'm really excited to have him back. And, and you mentioned that word like a crutch. Um, it, it really is knowing that we have one of our bona fide playmakers back when we think about losing Kenneth Walker and what that could do to the offense, at least knowing that Reed is back and you have one reliable offensive weapon, it, it does give you a much better feeling going into the offseason, knowing that there's one guy you can fully trust and count on to make a play when you need it. And, it, you know, especially with the news that Naylor was leaving, it, with that being the first news between the two of them, I was starting to get a little bit worried. I'm like, well, Naylor's leaving. If Reed decides to leave too, I don't know about this offense without Walker, without Reed, without Naylor. I, I like what we have underneath these guys, you know, freshman Keon Coleman. And, but 
do I trust them to step in and in key number one playmaker roles next year? Like, I, I don't know. So great news reads coming back. And, uh, and I think all of Spartan nation can say that pretty confidently. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, he mentioned, I mean, this is not an uncommon term to use in these situations, but unfinished business. Um, Kevin, I know you don't know Jaden Reed personally, but what do you think that means? You think it means he needs more on his tape? You think it means he wants to put together a better season for this team and the program on his way out? Um, what do you think Jaden Reed's unfinished business is? I, w- I would think Big Ten title. I mean, that's typically, you know, when you look at these guys talking about unfinished business, you're typically looking at championships. And I think Jaden Reed's coming back. He knows his quarterback's coming back. He knows we've got some key pieces on defense coming back. And and I think he loves and trusts Mel Tucker. And I think he's gunning for a Big Ten title. Uh, we we kind of talked about that. He's already put everything he needs to on tape to to make an NFL roster to get picked. So could another great season improve that draft stock? Certainly. He could go from a third-round pick to a second-round pick. He could go from a fourth-round pick to you know, whatever the case may be, but I, I would have to assume just based on history that, you know, gunning for championships. Yeah, I love it. I think it's coming off of this season. I mean, you could see even when Kenneth Walker declared for the draft, there were a couple guys who said basically he didn't want to leave. He just kind of had to with the season that he had, but you can see a lot of these guys really like what's happening at Michigan state. They want more of it. Um, the Jaden Reed one, I think speaks more than any of these decisions because he does have a huge opportunity right now to establish himself in the NFL. If he were to leave, I think he, he would have a really great chance to see the field in the NFL, which is always saying something, no matter where you go to school. Um, and he's coming back. So, He's got to love what's going on. I'm sure we know he loves playing with Peyton Thorne. So uh, coming back to his comfort zone, I can already see the headlines when he does go to the NFL. Like, can Jane Reed produce with a different <laughs> quarterback? But, um, yeah, no, it'll be awesome. He's he's fun to watch. Uh, he bailed us out. You mentioned all the plays. I mean, those were all, like, back-against-the-wall plays um, in each of those games, and he just made them with consistency. So – Having that back next year is going to be great. Uh, We have a heck of a wide receiver crop coming in this season. We mentioned before we started recording that wide receiver room is going to be busting at the seams um, this whole off season into the season. Yeah. And Jaden Reed, I I was just looking through his stats. I mean, this is a guy, eight career games with over a hundred yards receiving nine career games with multiple touchdowns. I I mean, he's put everything he needs to on tape that he can do this consistently against top tier competition. I I mean, you, you throw everything at him. He's, he's proved plenty capable of, of dominating, dominating lower tier competition, dominating higher tier competition. Um, He's put it all out there. So I'm really excited about that. Now, how I'm going to kind of segue this is we're going to kind of talk about the national title game coming up and from the perspective again of, of Michigan state. And one thing that I kind of found myself thinking about with an Alabama with uh, a Georgia is Jaden Reed, ironically. So 
the way I'm looking at this, and you know, maybe this is going to take us down a dark path, but Michigan State fans collectively, myself very much included, are very excited about Jaden Reed coming back. Best player on offense, maybe the best player on the team returning for next year, right? On an Alabama, on a Georgia, on a, you know, Ohio State even, like he's your number two guy, maybe even your number three guy. That's how good some of these teams are. And and I know Michigan State fans, I know we don't want to accept that and we don't want to hear that. But just looking at Ohio State this year, you had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. One of those three statistically was the third option. And all of those three are probably first round picks. You look at Alabama any given year, like their third receivers getting drafted in the third round we're talking about the best player on our offense and, and Jaden Reed is probably a, a day two NFL draft pick. So where, where do we stand relative to these teams right now? And how do we get there? I mean, the obvious answer is recruiting. Uh, you look at some of the, you know, we were just kind of digging back through like, you look at just pull up a random scroll down and up, pick a random Alabama recruiting class. And you're going to find like four pro bowlers. I mean, it's ridiculous what they do. And I'll, I have something I want to bring up here in a moment, but Scott, we'll, we'll just kind of kick it off there. Like you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, other than just, you know, talent, obviously um, as a general thing, but is there something um, about a specific position? Is there something about the recruiting, the NFL talent, uh, the, the game planning, the scheme, the coaches, like what separates Michigan state Mel Tucker 2021 from an Alabama, from a Georgia, from a Clemson, from an Ohio state? Well, people don't always like to focus on recruiting and stars, player ratings, all, all those you can call them gimmicky things, but at the end of the day, college football starts with recruiting, especially at the top. You have to bring in talent. And we talk about where Michigan state is in these recruiting classes, recruiting rankings, where D'Antonio was, where Mel Tucker wants to be. When you have the top, all those playoff teams, those consistent playoff teams, I say all of them, like there's more than three or four, but uh, they're always at the top of their recruiting classes in recruiting rankings. So yes, you can bring, we've talked about this before. You can make a two-star into an NFL first round pick. It's possible. You can also have a five-star that is a total dud and completely falls off the map. Happens all the time. But by and large, the teams who recruit those five stars, those four stars, those blue chip recruits, the teams that get what looks like the best high school talent are the ones that win national championships and are the ones that produce the most NFL players. So there's, I mean, there's clearly a significance there and the teams that invest in recruiting often are the ones that see it pay off. We've talked about what Oregon did when Nike dropped the Brinks truck on their front lawn and said, do what you have to do to be elite. And they got like all their assistance, private jets. They invested first, they invested in facilities and then they invested in recruiting. And I think Mel Tucker's laid the groundwork here, but there's still a significant gap 
Um, just to use like the 2015 team as a comparison here, because it was the last time we went toe to toe with a playoff team. Obviously the only time we did that in the playoffs. So Michigan state that year, that whole roster seniors through freshmen had 13 guys who ever made an NFL roster. That's not even to say they played it down, but they just made an NFL team at some point, 13 guys. Sounds pretty good. One of them was Montez sweat who never did that at Michigan state. So call it 12 guys. That 2015 Alabama roster had actually, Kevin, I'll let you guess. Uh, we were kind of looking this up earlier, so I have a rough idea, but I'd say something like 30. 41. <laughs> 41 guys who made an NFL roster, and these aren't guys who never played a snap. Derek Henry, Kenyon Drake, Damian Harris, and Bo Scarborough were their four running backs uh, who got significant carries that season. So, I mean, the list goes on, but that's the first, I mean, just the talent gap. And you look at it between us and Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia was Clemson. They're still recruiting, but they're a mess right now. Um, That's my first. And I think that's Mel Tucker's main priority right now. Obviously he's got to focus on everything, but you can see the effort they're putting into recruiting and they're taking a lot of pride in it. So I think that's where it starts. Yeah, the example you gave before we started recording was Shalik Calhoun, who I think is a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Because Shalik Calhoun was a phenomenal college football player. And for a Big Ten defensive end, I'm pretty sure he won a Big Ten defensive player of the year, defensive lineman of the year award. And when he went up against Alabama, he got thrown like a ragdoll by Derrick Henry And ended up being, again, like he's an NFL player. He's stuck on an NFL roster, but he's a third round pick and was, you know, is, is just a quality starter, replaceable starter in the NFL. And he was the best player on our defense. Arguably you could look at like Trey Waynes, of course, but you know, we only had what two NFL players and, and our strong suit was our defense that had two NFL players on it. Like Alabama's putting out six NFL guys on both sides of the ball, any given season. So like, and, and again, those aren't just NFL players. Those are pro bowlers. Those are super bowl champions. Like it's Alabama in the last 10 years has had 32 first round picks. So that's the kind of talent you're going against. Now, I, I want to talk about this. I'll, I'll try to make it brief. It's something I've been thinking about. So at some point, Nick Saban's going to retire, right? I, I mean, it's just, I know it feels like he's going to coach forever, but at some point he's going he's gonna to retire. And I know that Alabama feels inevitable. They feel like a, a program that's just going to never skip a beat and they're going to win every other national championship for the next 20 years. But for those who remember, I'll remind you about USC when they were rolling under Pete Carroll. And it wasn't for as long of a period of time. But when Pete Carroll was at USC, they were winning every other national title. They were winning every other Heisman Trophy. They were rolling. And it felt like, man, USC is on top of the world. They're in Los Angeles, which means they can get whatever recruit they want. They've got, you know, the history, they've got the recent success. They, they can get any recruit. They're going to keep this thing rolling. Well, it's been what, 20 years. We're still waiting. Uh, Texas, when Mac Brown left, 
We're still waiting. Miami every year, Miami's back. We're still waiting. Like I'm not saying that Alabama's going to fall off a cliff the way that those programs has have, but I'm saying it's possible. And I'm also saying that nobody in the history of college football have done what Nick Saban has done. He's got six national titles. He's played in 10 national championship games and he's been there for 15 years. Like uh, uh, college football is a sport of like mini dynasties where you'll see a team win, you know, two out of three or three out of five national titles. You don't see six out of 14 or whatever it is. That's just ridiculous. So at some point, Alabama's going to retire and what that's, or Nick Saban's going to retire. And what that's going to do, in my opinion, is when you go into a typical college football playoff and you remove the monolith that is Alabama, you're left with more often than not three to four, very, very, very good, but in some way flawed team. You're looking at like a given year going against an Oklahoma who has an awesome offense, but doesn't play any defense. Or you're going against a Georgia who is really, really good, but they don't have an elite quarterback. So, you know, you can kind of go into that matchup, right? You're looking at a bunch of teams. You're looking at an Ohio State who Michigan State has beat great Ohio State teams before. They're not Alabama. So I I just want to kind of bring that layer of, I guess you can call it optimism, that once Nick Saban retires, I think there's a very good chance that Alabama takes at least a bit of a step back here. And then, sure, from time to time, you're going to get a 2019 LSU who's just going to steamroll everybody and nobody else has a chance. But more often than not, you're going to be left with a playoff field that is very tough, that you're going to have to bring your A, A-plus game to win, but you can win. Right. And that's what I want to remind people that at some point, Nick Saban's going to retire and that can open the door for the next time Michigan state makes a run into the playoff, instead of playing the monolith Alabama team that you're just kind of, you know, bending the knee before the game even starts, you're playing against a, a Clemson team. You're playing against an Oklahoma team that you can talk yourself into having a chance. So with that said, you know, is that two years away? Is that five years away? I don't know. Nick Saban's 70 years old, man. It's the, the time is coming eventually. So, you know, just remember USC, Florida state, Miami, Texas, like they feel inevitable, but they're not. And at some point they're, they're going to take a step back and maybe Michigan state and Mel Tucker is there to, to capitalize on that opportunity. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, Ohio state just fills in and they win every other national title or Georgia does it. I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know, be patient. There's a chance. We have found the fix for all of college football's problems. It's been right in front of us the whole time. Just remove Nick Saban and all of your problems are solved. Um, Somebody just needs to give him a really good hobby. (laughs) Like grandkids, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that that did my, Mark D'Antonio in. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and to be clear here, the conversation isn't like how do you sneak into a national title when Alabama's not around and have a chance. We're really talking how do you turn Michigan State into one of those like tier one point five teams 
that's maybe not ever going to be the Alabama dynasty, but is the team contending, you know, with them, the Clemson, the Georgia, the Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, the Ohio state. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we we may have a power void, Nick Saban, 70, he could retire after winning a national championship this Monday, he could retire in nine years. Um, So we're not going to hold our breath on it, but what else needs to happen, Kevin, to, to get ourselves. I mean, I, I, I look at it like this, right? Like college football is a battle of King of the Hill. You've got like this mountain right at the top. You've got the summit and there's cliffs on all sides. Nick Saban just kind of eats his lunch up there. He hangs out. He lives up there. Sometimes you'll have another team that climbs up to the top and spars with them like Clemson or like Georgia or whoever Michigan state, like was climbing the side of this mountain, got to the top, got its like hand on the summit, right? Technically it was touching it. And then Nick Saban came over and just like stomped it out like a cockroach. (laughs) And that's not who you want to be. You at least want to be the guy who's up there going toe to toe. And uh, so how does, how does Michigan state get there with consistency? We mentioned recruiting, Um, get the talent in the door, Kevin, let's say we've got a top 10, couple top 15 classes back to back on campus couple years seasoned we feel like the talent's there okay so maybe we're up against Ohio State and we we really do have some matchups that are better maybe we're a better more talented team than Ohio State at this point let's say we got to that point where do you go next to take that next step yeah it's it's something I've it's hard to to qualify in any way but whether it's you know through recruiting whether it's a great offense a great defense however they decide to mold it. You need, I think, a badass reputation because I mean, that's, that's kind of where it all starts, right? That's where you get your recruits. That's where the guys come to play for Michigan state, because man, that badass team up North, they're going to go in and beat Like you kind of need to start there because look at Alabama, like you have the reputation of being the biggest bullies on the block and everybody wants to come play for them. But then, you know, something kind of changed where Ohio state turned into this high flying offense and they have this reputation now that any receiver in the country from Ohio to California, to Texas, to Florida, the number one receivers, the number two receivers in the country all look at Ohio state and say, man, they're going to throw the ball a hundred times. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to go to the NFL. Like they have that reputation now. Um, Even looking at Georgia, they went a different direction and just said, we're going to build a badass hit you in the face defense. And we're going to recruit the hell out of defensive linemen, linebackers, running backs, offensive linemen, safeties. And we're just going to instill maximum fear in our black and red uniforms, like you got to find your lane, whatever it is. Right. And Oklahoma is another example who under Lincoln Riley, they had a reputation. They knew what they were. They were going to throw the ball all over the yard. They were going to score 60 points. They had this flying awesome spread offense that if you're a skill player, if you're an offensive lineman, if you're, more importantly, a quarterback from anywhere in the country, you look at that Oklahoma logo and you think, yep, I could definitely see myself going there. So 
it starts with Michigan State, and I think we we took our first step towards it this year. But you're establishing your brand, you're establishing your reputation, so that when you go knock on the door of that five star wide receiver down in Georgia, who has never been to East Lansing, he's never seen snow in his life who's never met Mel Tucker, who doesn't know anything about the program, looks at that logo and says, oh yeah, Michigan State, I know what they're about. I'm interested. Like, So whatever that lane is, I think we've got to establish that and, and keep building that reputation. Because eventually, you know, that time will come where you start building and building and building. And again, with Michigan State, we're not exactly sure if what it is because we, I think we kind of lucked into Kenneth Walker this year, to be completely frank. And I don't know, you know, is, is the identity of, of Mel Tucker, Michigan State team, is it that we're going to have, you know, a, a running back that's going to, you know, run the ball down your throat and, and a high flying offense around him that, that can take some deep shots, you know. Or does he want to build? He's a defensive guy. Does he want to build a Georgia defense and be that badass bully? Like, I don't really know exactly yet where, what direction that's going to be. Um, but I, I think you have to kind of find that identity and, and continue to build it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think, too, on both sides of the ball, you need an identity. I mean, under Mark D'Antonio, you had a great run defense, front seven that was not going to let you run the ball, period. Um, at times mixed in with a great pass defense in the no-fly zone. But I think the run defense is probably what we would uh, have staked our flag in long-term. And on the offense, it was pound green pound for a long time until the game kind of forced our hand. Um, and I think that's – Jay Johnson is is certainly bringing in a new era of offense. But it is going to be interesting to see what do they want to build up the most? What do they want their front line to be? What do they want to be known for? I think a lot of that too comes down to the right position coaches. Um, and, and that makes those hires very important. You look at Ohio state's wide receivers, Brian Hartline's one of the best uh, wide receiver coaches in the business. He's, he's got a young career so far, but um, it, it certainly helps to be in a Ryan day called offense, but um, yeah. And, they, and you can see that too, in, in the level of investments on different position groups, like it's very clear that, Mel Tucker has invested very heavily in Chris Kapilovich. So, you know, you can kind of follow the dollars there. Maybe the offensive line is, is a big part of that identity. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see, hopefully we have enough consistency and talent to uh, develop that strong suit. I'm sure we will in time. Um, yeah. And then the last one for me, put guys in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> it's easier to say it obviously than to do it, but you look at these top programs. I mentioned they bring in the best talent. They also put out the best talent for the league. Uh, you mentioned all the draft picks from Alabama. Every recruiting class has like five pro bowlers, basically um, future pro bowlers. If you look back and that's important. I mean, for the top talent in this sport, they want to be professional football players. So you have to help them achieve that dream. That's, Honestly, I think one of the best recruiting pitches more sometimes than national championships, more than anything you can pitch about the college game. If you can say, look, we, you know, we're in the top five putting guys in the NFL every year. Um, that goes a long way for top talent because that is their end goal. 
Yeah, I'll give you a quick example. You know, we we talked about Alabama, 32 first round picks in the last 10 years. And you look at those recruiting classes and you think, well, you know, when you get those five stars and stuff, it's it's not that hard. How many five stars does Texas have in the last 10 years? They have had two first round picks in the last 10 years. And one of them was pick number 32, like barely squeaked it in there. So Alabama with 32, Texas with two. And well, you just look at on-field performance and how Alabama has done uh, over the last few years and how Texas has done the last few years. Alabama, it's, it's not only just recruiting five stars. It's recruiting the right five stars, identifying the right players, and then developing them. So it's not just recruiting, it's developing, getting guys to the NFL, like you said, is, is massively important. Uh, because then that's, it's just one of those like hamster wheel things. Once you start recruiting uh, at a high level, or once you start putting guys in the NFL, it makes it a lot easier to recruit at a high level. And then it makes it a lot easier to put more guys in the NFL because you're recruiting at a high level. Like it's, it's, you know, a pretty easy trend to follow there. So um, like I said, I mean, you know, you put it really well there too. Like at the end of the day, at some point, Nick Saban's going to retire and then we're not talking about getting to Alabama's level. Then we're talking about getting to Georgia's level and getting to Oklahoma's level and getting to Clemson's level, it, which feels a lot more doable, right? Like it, that feels a lot more possible for a program like Michigan State. Nobody's going to get to Alabama's level, but can you get to Georgia's level? Maybe. You still got the Ohio State problem, which is first and foremost what we're going to have to fix. Yeah. We mentioned Jaden Reed maybe coming back to win a nat- or conference championship, national championship yeah. would be great too. <laughs> Freudian um, flip there. Yeah, uh, but that's where we're going to have to start. They're the big dog in the Big Ten. They're uh, it seems like only getting better. They had some defensive shakiness this year, but um, maybe the Bears will hire Ryan Day and there will be a, a chance who knows, but yeah, I mean, if you want to beat the best, you got to be the best. It's, it's super cliche, but in this conversation, it's, it's true. Right. So, um, or if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Dang it. I already messed it up. All right. We're coming up close to our limit, Kevin. You got to shut me down pretty sooner. I'm just going to keep rambling. Um, last, did last we... thing here I'll hit you with. We, mm-hmm. we brought it up, but we haven't talked about it. National title game coming up Monday night. We've got Georgia minus three over under 52 right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook. You have any leans? I actually hadn't looked at the line until you just mentioned it. So this is like a fresh reaction. I'm kind of surprised to see Georgia as a three-point favorite. Uh, My personal kind of ethos in college football, also blanket apology, we've kind of been slobbering all over Alabama this whole episode At the end of the day they're the college football measuring stick until somebody says otherwise so when you're talking about how to be the best in the sport they come up a lot I realize we've talked about them a ton maybe it got annoying I still think Alabama's going to win the national championship on Monday I don't bet against Nick Saban when there's something on the line and Kirby Smart's an ex-coach his ex-coaches don't beat him uh they already beat them once. I realize it's hard to beat the same team twice, but they also already beat them once. So they proved they can do it. And that's the way I see things playing out. I think Alabama by like four. 
you know what's gonna happen is I'm gonna I'm gonna be an idiot again. I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the last couple times, like I bet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year, uh, and Tom Brady ripped my heart out. I bet Kirby Smart and Georgia in the SEC championship, and Nick Saban just laughed at me as he took my money to the I don't know give to my sports book. And, uh, you know what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to look at Georgia and be like, you know what? Nope. I'm going with Georgia. And then Nick Saban again is just going to laugh at me and, and win another title. I don't know why I keep doing this and just refusing to believe in Tom Brady and Nick Saban. Like I feel like backing those guys would have made you a lot of money over the years, but I, I feel like the John Mechie injury is bigger than people think about. Um, and I think Georgia has got a better chance to keep Alabama out of scoring 40 points again, like they did in the, in the title game, SEC title game. I'm still leaning Georgia. I need to talk myself into Nick Saban, which sounds dumb, but I am leaning Georgia for whatever reason. Um, and if you're taking Georgia, you're probably hoping for an under, uh, I'll say that way too, but. Let me um, put it this way. There's almost a hundred percent chance. The guy who's filling in for John Mechie, I haven't even looked up who it is. Is like going Ja'Cory to be Brooks, I think, an NFL starter in like four years. <laughs> You've got a good point there. This is why Nick Saban wins national titles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you guys again next week. Like we said, we're we're trying to figure out our schedule on our side as well. So as soon as we get that nailed down, uh, we will be sure to let you know that the calendar gets a little light until spring practice kicks up, and then. Um, obviously lightens out until the season. So we'll figure that out. We'll let you guys know, but we do dearly appreciate all of you for listening and stay and subscribe, staying with us. Um, we're going to do a contest soon um, that involves leaving Apple and or Spotify reviews. So stay tuned for that. We have some ideas for you. And uh, until then, Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following on social media. All of the links are in the notes of the episode. So just click on the episode. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, um, all the links are there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow the Facebook group, we would appreciate that. Until next week, go green. Go white. Take care, folks. 